The Blokebusters Podcast is a proud member of the Pod Bros Network. You can find us as well as other great shows such as The Ectoplasm Show and AB Film Review over at podbros.com. And now get ready to share and enjoy the Blokebusters Podcast. Tonight's story is somewhat unique and calls for a different kind of introduction. Today we are cancelling the apocalypse! Wait a minute, wait a minute. You ain't heard nothing yet. And uh, this is? Lilu Dallas Multipass. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. Houston, we have a problem. Have you tried turning it off and on again? Gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. Now, where was I? Welcome to episode 98 of the Blokebusters podcast. I'm Brian. And I'm Paul. And today we will be talking Stranger Things, uh, part one of our two-part episode of covering this pretty fantastic show. Uh, joining us again, or rejoining us, I should say, is Janelle Megan Engel. Hello, Janelle. Hey, hey it's so good to be back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a very uh, nice to have you back. It's, uh, I knew we were definitely uh, wanting to have you back on here at some point and uh, took a little longer, but I'm happy we got you back for uh, for what is hopefully uh, some very good episodes here. So, yeah, no pressure. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm obsessed with Stranger Things, so this is, this is going to be good. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I uh, kind of figured. So, um, where uh, let's get this out of the way up front here. Um, where can people find you online? What are you up to? Uh, what are you, What's going on? Sure, you can you can find me at Janelle Megan on on Twitter and Instagram, and um, pretty much my main priority right now is I've been filming for this um, web series that's going to be out in January called Eclipse. I play a half cat, half woman, <laughs> and um, it basically follows these. I'm um, kind of similar to Stranger Things in the way that it it's kind of about these younger kids who um, get mixed up in these kind of like interdimensional superhero superpower type world, except it all occurs in one day. And it's going to be out um, January 20th. And my character kind of like leads them to this path of defeating the big bad, so to speak. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I've yeah. seen uh, some of the photos uh, pop up on Twitter. It looks pretty incredible. So, yeah. yeah. And I would be remiss since I'm a Skyrim fan if I didn't ask, do you have wares during the show? Was that... Uh... Do I have what? <laughs> Where's it's uh, the Skyrim thing? Is the sort of half cat, half humanoid people are called Kaji, and they are like the merchants of Skyrim. So it's a, it's a it's a joke that basically fell completely flat, and I'm going to leave it all in. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was going to say that's what editing is for, but okay, Paul's going to let it. Hang. Good for uh, you, Paul. Good hey, for come your, on, your transparency. I... I have left in so many times where you have said, Yo, you're going to cut this out. Nope. No, I never do. And nope. I'm not gonna this do is it. why I don't listen to the episodes. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, for the half cat, half woman jokes, there's a lot you could have made. So that one, <laughs> that wasn't is, the worst. <laughs> there, is, there is a lot that I could have made. However, I'm me. So no, I wouldn't have made any other jokes. Yeah, so yes, there was only one that he could have made and that was the one he made. Okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, uh, let's yeah try to uh, dive into the subject at hand. Um, Paul, do you have any nuts and bolts for this, or uh, where are we kicking this thing off? Uh, well, let's. I mean, I mean, I know Netflix is pretty uh, notoriously um, closed off about their numbers. Um, yeah, but... ba- basically, the the only thing I can say is it was created by the Duffer Brothers, and 
that's about it. Uh, I haven't. <laughs> I, uh, I I probably could have gone to the episode list and written down all of the directors, but uh, I'm mm. I'm not going to do that. So yeah, uh, and the the cast list. There's so many that we'll just talk about them as they come up because they will pretty much all come up. <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I know. We need to hit on a few, yeah, big ones, but yeah. So also some great guest stars in this show, too. Like, not oh, just the main gosh. characters, but, yes. like, some of the guest stars are just so good. And, yes, um, like I was remiss to say, if you're new to uh, joining us, this is one of your first times out with Bookbusters, we do talk spoilers. Um, assuming you've probably seen Stranger Things, at least season one, if you're tuning in into this uh but we might be making mentions of season two here and there um you've been warned okay yes that's out of the way because <laughs> so you said guest you've stars and just, that yeah so i just wanted because season two is really where we get going with some guest stars um yeah yeah but we'll, we'll uh, to be continued on that all right um so i guess probably a good way to start would be to just say as quickly as we can, kind of how we came across it and what our first thoughts were. Uh, Go ahead, Paul. Uh, um, <laughs> I'm trying to think. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, as, as I'm, usual, I'm getting time. the machinery going, so yeah, while that fires up, you go ahead. Yeah. Uh, well, I remember you know, pretty much the same way I find out about a lot of the stuff Netflix is doing. I believe this was a Facebook post that I saw where it was like, Netflix is doing uh, 80s of horror series and I was like well that's yes your idea is intriguing to me and I was just subscribed to your newsletter and so I kind of followed it as it was coming I saw a couple of trailers and it's like oh this looked really good and also the trailers don't appear to be showing any real spoilers which is one of my biggest pet peeves of the the modern times is you can't watch a trailer anymore because you're just going to end up finding out everything about the film or TV series I suppose and yeah, I basically came to this just knowing that it was going to be fairly homage to a lot of early to mid-80s films, as well as apparently being quite well acted. That was pretty much the only review I heard, was that there was a lot of good acting and like phenomenal work done, especially by the kids. So that's kind of how I came to it, and I will say that I pretty much agree overall uh, without going too far into it so, uh, so Brian have you uh, got the machinery going fast enough or do you uh, need to throw well, it to, it's, to it's going as good as it's going to go here <laughs> I did not sleep well the, uh, the previous evening but I will not lean on that crutch too hard here um, so I was trying to remember I, I can't recall if it was a friend recommendation or if I just saw it and I think I first saw it scrolling through Netflix, but I didn't, for some reason, didn't stop on it, you know. And then I do believe someone said, I think it was like a couple days later, you know, like everyone was watching it. My friend said, you got to watch this. And then it was just off to the races. It was, um, I'm not a great binger for the most part. Um, I, I'm good for about three or four hour episodes of a show. And then I kind of need to make, mix it up, take a break. Uh, this was, I think, watched in one and like kind of one and a half seats i think it was like six episodes and then finished it off with two like the next day so yeah it was like a <laughs> almost like binge a, almost binge the whole entire thing yeah um and yes i have been uh singing its praises ever since 
<laughs> yeah, very similar for me. I think it was like a heavily talked about show and a lot of my friends were recommending it to me. But I personally don't really like shows with kids in them. So I stayed away from it for a really long time because I thought it'd be cheesy with like bad kid actors and things like that. Mm-hmm. But I was definitely completely wrong. These Some of the best acting, these kids are just incredible. Um, and when I finally watched it, I was just blown away. And I'd actually like, I was supposed to go to a party the night that I started the first episode, just kind of like something in the background. And I ended mm-hmm. up canceling my plans and staying oh home Ooh. to watch it and finish the entire <laughs> thing that night because I could not stop. <laughs> well, that uh, yeah, that says it all right there. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, there are there are a few times where I'm kind of like, yeah, I wish I could just put the rest of my life on hold for a minute and just kind of sit down to that. But uh, yes, unfortunately, I, I no longer have that much freedom when mm. it comes to watching TV. But, uh, so, um, even with that, uh, like, obviously, we'll talk about it more on Thursday, but the second season was very much, uh, I found time in the morning to watch it. So, so mm-hmm. whereas th- this one was like my evening watch. So I managed to get through an episode or two at a time. So yeah, it's, uh, uh, very, very fun to watch. And, uh, I think we're about to get into why. <laughs> so, uh, yes. so wh- where do you think we should start then? Oh, uh, I mean, I think just a little uh, table setting, um, you know, for just to refresh anyone, this is um, November 6th, I believe was the, yeah, I want to say, I know it's 1983, but mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Um, in the fictional town of Hawkins, Indiana, um, you know, so 80s Midwest, um, just to kind of refresh everyone there, and um, probably... I mean, I wish I had other examples to pull from right now, but probably the the, the some of the best opening characterization I've seen um, in recent memory. Um, it's it's a it's one of those great lessons. Of course, I'm talking about the D and D scene. Yeah. Uh, it's one of those mm-hmm. just great moments of show don't tell. You know, let's show who these kids are. Um, we don't need that. You know, that's you get everything you need to know in that like four minutes, whatever it is. You know. And it's just a great bit of setting for who, who these characters are and on a larger scale of where the show is going to go. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's a really good pilot. Like, I think the pilot in general it's is just so one of the strong. best pilots. Absolutely. Yeah, it, it's, I mean, it's, you know, designed, I think, that way. And it's, you know, it pulls you in from from that opening, you know, that cold open and into... Then the like the captivating theme, of course, like yeah, and then like it's I don't know who can turn it off at that point. Yeah, and but you ain't no friend of mine. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, yeah, it, it, like you said with the characterization, when you get to know the people, you realize, of course, Mike is going to be the like, the DM. Of course, he is. That's that's the type of person he is. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, Will is going to be the wizard, the, yeah. the wizard healer type thing. I mean, you don't get to delve into his character too much in this series, but yeah, even what little you do know about him based on what they they say about him during the series, it's like yeah, of course that's who he is. And then, of course, you've got Dustin and Lucas, who yeah. <laughs> As you see at the beginning, that is who they are. And that's kind of the way it is with kids in general, is that there's not a lot of 
hiding behind a character really like they are who they are and it was really nice just to jump straight in with them yeah like, and, I, and I would like to just yeah go ahead i was like, i can't think of any other way you would have started this show like yeah having seen yeah mm-hmm. um and i was just gonna say i, I would just like to just talk about dustin for the rest of this recording so <laughs> if, if, okay everyone's on board for that okay cool uh, yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, oh my god. Yeah, I know we'll get there, but I don't want to rush into it. Um, <laughs> yes, <laughs> I know it's a, a predictable fave, but uh, and yeah, and then he gets to really shine in season two, of course. But I, I know, like, this is kind of centered around Mike and Eleven, but for for me, he was like the the leader of this group. Like, he is the more of the moral center i think and the you know the kind of leader as far as getting people on the same page and making amends and just really kind of snapping people into into shape i don't know i just i don't know i love him yeah. <laughs> you instantly liked him uh not instant i mean maybe not on that first watch um i this is my third run through uh before this episode in the past two i've I've liked him, and maybe it's a little bit revisionist history with how much I liked him in season two. Um, yeah. So I'll admit to some of that. Uh, that could be playing into it. Um, so you didn't like him off the bat? I didn't like him at first, but the, through the second watch, you really notice all his, like, character traits. And, like, he has such great one-liners that are just, like, for, like, a kid, he nails them so well. Like, his comedic timing is just, like, it's just insane. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, he... He is a great character. He's also one of those characters that if this was like a teen horror film or if this was like an adult show, he would be annoying because he would be like the sort of he would be played by if this was adult playing him, I think he would be played by Jack Black. Like he would be the the highly energetic like, Come on guys, we could do this don't they? But as a kid and portrayed by and I should have looked up how to pronounce his name. Is it Gaten? I know it's Gaten. Yeah, yeah, you got Gaten. Yeah. <laughs> Matarazzo, probably. Uh, yeah, I think you got it. Uh, like, he just becomes that person who is kind of the, he's not the heart, but I would say he's definitely the, like, almost the soul of the party, because he is the one that is trying to keep everyone together and to remind everyone, you are friends during all this, because there's a lot of, like friendships coming close to breaking point during this show and he's the one that's always like guys we're friends <laughs> remember that yeah so, those later episodes when yeah. you guys get um mike and um oh, mike and lucas yeah back together to yeah kind of squash their beef yeah yeah the whole scene where he's like no i know he's your best friend and like he's fine with it like it just warms my heart like he's so he just has such a sweetheart yeah he's and like like mature beyond his years and yeah and i just i know we're getting ahead we'll get there thursday but i just love that we got to see his <laughs> the relationship with his mom oh my god it's so good <laughs> yeah okay yeah we'll get there <laughs> yeah i i, I only have a question so i don't mean mums but well, yeah again we'll get to it um yes yeah uh-huh. <laughs> uh, mm. so what's kind of going on in this show paul i know we're just kind of talking around it yes um, we are. Uh, so, yeah yeah, some talk of, of some evil uh, Department of Energy, yes, <laughs> something like that. <laughs> kind of, kind of basic plot here is uh, pretty much as you would expect from say an eighties film. Uh, you've got 
these kids are going out near a laboratory, which everyone kind of knows about, but they don't exactly know how shadowy this laboratory is, which is the United States Department of Energy, but really they're doing paranormal stuff like uh what uh what's the name of the of the the actual project that existed and then they kind of went off in there i can't oh the, uh, the mk project? ultra mk uh, ultra yes yeah and in, in montauk yeah the montauk project yeah yeah so mm-hmm. uh, basically that but if it had kind of succeeded that's that's what mm-hmm. you're, you're dealing with here and uh yeah so you've got the the wonderful papa and yes. when I say wonderful, I mean <laughs> the one that you want to punch in the face every time he's on screen. The wonderfully played Martin Brenner, Dr. Martin Brenner by Matthew Modine. Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> he's just amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, it, I don't, like, even think about it, I don't think there's a single character in this show that uh, isn't done well. But, uh, yeah, so effectively something's going wrong and we don't really know what it is and uh, something's escaped shall we say <laughs> and yes <laughs> and uh has, in uh, yes and i and i would like you to say laboratory at least a couple more times in this podcast okay <laughs> all right then. What, what, where did it escape from so, something has escaped from the Hawkins national laboratory and uh, okay. what has it escaped sounds so from nice them? in the ears janelle yes okay. mm-hmm. and what has escaped from said laboratory is uh, something that has taken will bias and that is after the D scene and he is taken very very early on in the first episode and that's mm-hmm. kind of all we see of him for the most part until the last episode so um yeah he, yeah unless i mean i don't know does he get credits as a ball of lights i don't know <laughs> <laughs> you know it wouldn't put it i wouldn't put a better scene appearance to do that in the credits a lot of voiceover for will <laughs> yes uh some of the best light ball acting you're gonna see uh yeah <laughs> you know i i would almost expect that finn no, not finn no, for god's sake now i'm missing mm-hmm. doing it that way that noah was on set controlling the lights like he would be the one to press the buttons <laughs> hey if that makes you happy yeah go ahead yeah <laughs> You know, it just seems like something that. they would do. <laughs> <laughs> um, just so he can really get in his character. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yes, so we we do find out that there is a kind of monster, and uh, again, um, a monster that is not seen much. And yeah, we I, get, I we like do get that. a flash of him in the. I mean, it is covered in shadow, but the the Demogorgon uh, in that opening scene on the road. I mean, but it's only like. It's not even a full second, I don't think, that you see him on the road that causes him to crash his bike. But... Yeah. No, I, well, you, you, know see, you see him, like, in the window. That's the creepiest part. When he oh, like, looks uh-huh. through the window and he's, like, there. That's the part that always gave me the chills. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and, it, and I, I don't know if you uh, kind of get it when you're watching it. I mean, it might even be a subconscious thing. Or it could be incredibly obvious and this isn't going to be a shock at all. But, like, the very... The very clear ET vibes from uh, like uh, the way some of the shots are set up, especially with the flashlights in the woods, or with uh, him actually running across the back garden to get to the shed. 
Like the, yeah. the shot pretty much identical to that is ET, and it's uh, mm. it's, yeah, and bookmark that ET um, for season two. We'll, uh, <laughs> I'll get into some thoughts and theories <laughs> on. Um, well, at least on. Uh, let's just say this: uh, this series is chock full of homages to um, eighty classic eighties and. I think mostly 80s films uh, and a lot of Spielberg-esque type movies. Yes. But, <laughs> which uh, I think is part of the reason why this show has done so well is because it, like, obviously it's a really cool plot and all that, but it just kind of feels like you've seen it before. Like it's sort of familiar, but not. And I think, I think they kind of nails the, the level of homage that you can do without just flat out copying. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. Instead of like a flat out remake or anything, they really just pulled like the best stuff and created something new, but still has that familiar nostalgic feeling. And I, I haven't really seen that done before. Yeah, it, it's one of the. There's kind of mixed on this film, but it's one of the reasons I love the the film Super Eight. Um, yeah. With you know JJ, it is a unapologetic love letter to Spielberg, you know, Andy, and directly E.T., you know. <laughs> um, but I love so much how he pays tribute to that. I mean, and that is definitely way more on the nose um, yeah. than this is. But yeah, this is, it's like David S. Pumpkins, this is its own thing. Um, so, okay, that's for the SNL people out there. That, that might have hit as well or worse than your joke, Paul, earlier. But <laughs> oh, I'm sure it is. We'll see if, if there's SNL listeners out there. Okay. Um, yeah. Right, um, so I'm, I'm recovering from that, so go ahead. Yeah, yeah, no, it's fine. Um, and obviously, the, I would say the three kind of main characters that we haven't like really touched on yet, you've got... Uh, Winona Ryder as Joyce, and uh, yes, Winona I, Ryder. Uh, I hadn't really seen Winona Ryder in pretty much anything outside of Beetlejuice. I think for real. What I mean, you. It? I I need to stop being shocked by what you have <laughs> seen. <laughs> we we do this every episode, Joe. Pretty much. It, <laughs> really, really. <laughs> You haven't seen this? Really? Really? I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm um, sure I have seen something else that she'd been in. No Edward Scissorhands? No Girl Interrupted? Okay. Dracula? Hand, I'm Edward sorry, Bram Stoker's yes. Dracula. Uh-huh. Um, the, the other ones you said no. Um, Reality Bites? Nope, I haven't seen that. Oh, um, wow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. um, how she about was in Mr. Alien Deeds. Resurrection, so technically <laughs> I've seen that. <laughs> she is fantastic in Mr. Deeds, uh, I will say. I completely forgot she was in that, so okay. Good yeah. Oh, I forgot she was in that too. Wow. Yeah, yeah she's the reporter, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, That's not the first nope. movie that pops in my head when I think of her. Well, it should be, okay? <laughs> <laughs> You're wrong. Obviously, our performance really stuck with you. I apologize. <laughs> well, it's an Adam Sandler film. You're just looking for anything to grab your attention, you know? So, yeah. <laughs> Uh, Oh, in Star Trek. You saw her in Star Trek as Fox Mom. Okay, come on. Like, I would remember that. I don't know. You have a great memory, Paul. Yes, but I do not have a good memory for faces, as you well know. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. Okay. So, all right. You're off the hook there, but I did have to look up that one. That was the only one I cheated on uh, to look up there. Uh, Yeah, yeah, but this is... um, this is just 
so great for Winona. Um, yeah. Oh, she's incredible this, in this. Some of the, I can't, go ahead. I can't imagine, like, just from an actor's perspective, like, how emotionally exhausting it must have been through her role, just, like, constantly. Like, everyone else on set was probably having a good time mm-hmm. behind the scenes, but, like, she constantly had to be in a state of either panic or, like, fear or sadness yeah. or just despair, like, just constantly. And I'm, I'm sure that was exhausting. Well, I was just going to say that it led to one of my favorite memes of the year, which is just uh, uh, four screenshots from the show, and it just says, Anxiety level, Winona Ryder in every scene she's in, in Stranger Things. <laughs> <laughs> yes. yes. That is, Exactly. Yeah, uh, I feel that, yeah. Uh, too much and too often, but... But yeah, I was just going to say that uh, whatever the Demogorgon didn't destroy in the house, she destroyed with her scene chewing. And I loved every second of it. Um, uh, I mean, I will say for the first time, like the first time when she really started to lose it, like my first watch through, um, I thought it was a bit much. But then I really, really enjoyed it um and thought it was just no this is perfect for what this show is um i thought it was a little too ham-fisted and stuff but no it, i was wrong and it's great <laughs> well i mean again that's kind of the thing if you're trying to get the vibe of the sort of 80s horror slash like thriller type thing that there's always someone who is a little over the top or who is just like as they chew in the scenery and that they happen to get someone that was able to do both like genuinely good acting along with being able to push it a bit for some of the scenes so yeah that that worked out quite well i thought yeah i could definitely see that i could see her i could see moments where it would be kind of looking like too much but i feel like it's always grounded in this very real fear and this very real of like i need to get my son back um that makes it kind of work for me. And we've also got the fantastic David Harbour as Jim Hopper. Yes. It's uh, uh, embarrassing how long it took us to get to David Harbour, but yes. <laughs> Top. I'm, I've been uh, waiting to mention him this whole time. Like, all of my okay, notes are yeah. about him. <laughs> I, I'm drinking some Miller Lite in honor of Hop. I couldn't find some Schlitz, uh, but I wasn't going to stop at multiple shitty gas stations to find Schlitz. So <laughs> here's some Miller Lite for you, David Harbour. Cheers. I mean, Hopper, yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Well, I love his introduction. Like in the very first episode, he brushes his teeth and then immediately smokes and has a beer. <laughs> like, yeah, that's just everything order. about his character. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and then poor, poor Sandra. We don't get to see Sandra anymore. <laughs> if anyone remembers who Sandra was or is, she's in it for like thirty seconds, and, and you kind of got the vibe that maybe it was. A girlfriend, but apparently he's just a player. I don't know, because we have that library scene later where he gets called out on not returning a call or something, you know, something along those lines. Um, and, and I mean, I genuinely, the first time I watched it, I thought just based on that scene alone and how he kind of interrupted it, it's like, is he new to town? Like, has uh, he only been here a little bit? But then it's, it's clear he'd been there a while, so... I, I, feel, I, think I feel like he grew he's been up there a few there. years. Okay, okay. He grew up there because he, he has a relationship with Joyce, or, like, a past with Joyce. I don't know if it was a relationship or what, mm-hmm. what they were specifically, but then he went to New York and then came back. That was my understanding of it. Yeah, 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 after, yeah after his daughter, um, yeah. Spoiler there. So, yes, and uh, th- th- there is actually, I'm, I'm sure at least one of you either caught it or 
might have read something about it. Uh, there is something connected to his daughter that is a really, really, really subtle thing that they did, and it pays off hugely at the end of season two. So we'll, I'll bring it back up then when we talk about it. But, uh, well, uh, I don't forget. I'm, I'm going to write it down no, too. I, I will not, because it, it is one of when I realized it. it it's something I really want to talk about, so we will touch on it. On, on <laughs> I think Thursday. I know what you're talking about, so I'm really curious now. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> we shall um, see. Yes, we shall. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll clearly we'll talk about Hopper a bit more, but uh, the last name here, and as pretty much as far as I'm concerned, the reason to watch the show is Millie Bobby Brown as Eleven or L. <laughs> So yeah, or what do we think? Or about? Ellen, or Ellen, as your as your in laws probably thought she was called. Yes, or... probably. <laughs> Ellen. Ellen. That, that Ellen, Ellen was great. That bald Ellen girl. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. uh, so yes, what do we think about Eleven? <laughs> so, I would give her an eleven. There um, we go. That doesn't no. deserve anything, but yeah, uh, obviously, yeah. Breakout performance, and I just hope, I hope so much that she, for all of them, but especially for her, because I think she's probably going to get the biggest roles in the future. Who knows? But I just hope that she gets to have a nor- somewhat normal childhood and not too many leechers on her, because um, she seems like she has an amazing head on her shoulders. And I just, yeah, I'm just get really worried about child actors like that, but because she's amazing. Yeah, I, I was going to say, based solely on watching all of the kids in interviews and stuff, like, this seems like it's a group of incredibly well-adjusted child actors. Like, yes. insanely smart for their mm-hmm. age. And- yeah, if you if you watch that after show, did you watch the after show, Janelle, for season two? I watched the first episode of it, but I didn't finish it. Okay. But I, I, but- I definitely loved hearing, like, their perspective of, mm-hmm. of the character, especially, yeah, this Millie's perspective of a Eleven was really, really interesting just from that first episode of some of the things that she was saying and the fact that she can understand characters that deep and really you can tell that she's going to work for a very long time, I, I would assume, in, in Hollywood. I would agree. Yeah, and you just, like Ball saying, you see how well-adjusted that they are, um, Yeah, and it, which isn't always the case. And it, Yeah, there have been several um, things that if you just watch interviews with them in general and you know, people will ask the incredibly stupid questions that everyone asks at every interview, and they just have the best responses. Like, I think someone asked Millie Bobby Brown if she knows that she has an accent. And she was like, well, yes, I was born with it. Like, well, and uh, how did you get that? I lived in England. Like, that's, that's <laughs> like, well, of course, that's how you get the English accent, because you're English. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it, or you're Madonna. Yes, uh, the, <laughs> an anomaly that one. <laughs> That's the only two ways. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, uh, that's most of the people that we would uh, really need to introduce up front. Uh, I mean, oh, there's the 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 sister of Mike, Nancy, played by Natalia Dyer, and uh, she obviously she is a kind of a. Uh, like not a lead role, but a good supporting role. 
really, I would say, because like, she's sort of teetering on the edge, in my opinion, in the first season between lead and supporting. I know she's in it a lot, but she doesn't feel that much like a lead character. I don't know how you guys feel about it. She's a, uh, I think she's a great B-plot um in this series um first with her and steve and then later with jonathan uh i don't feel like the action dips or that my interest was i was like or that i was losing interest in her part of the storyline at all i I thought her as she carried it really well i don't know janelle what did you think yeah, I, I definitely liked that they had this combination of, like, the younger kids and the little bit older kids and, like, the adults. Like, I felt like seeing that really, like, broke up the, the story for me. And also, I mean, I obviously, justice for Barb. We all love Barb. And without Nancy, we would not get to meet Barb. <laughs> hey, you don't, so. don't speak about on my feelings about Barb, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I have a lot of thoughts on Nancy, but they're more for her kind of character development in season two okay. but i'll but um so i'll save that a little bit but yeah i, I think I, I i like her a lot in season yeah. one yeah definitely and uh obviously we mentioned steve is the boyfriend <laughs> yes uh, joe Curie, <laughs> fantastic oh watch his online oh, he's stuff. so great he's hilarious and yeah um this but him in well, on the, in the show, he, I know on the show that he plays, like, this very, like, um, kind of, like, jock, like, not, like, I mean, you kind of would consider him in the first season, like, a little bit of an asshole, but mm-hmm. he, because he was such a sweet guy, I read that they actually, like, rewrote the character so that he had a little bit more heart and was a little bit sweeter in the upcoming, like, toward the end of season one and much, very much into season two. Um, he gets a lot of really great character development, and a lot of that was due to just, like, who he was in real life, the actor, Joe Peary. So I thought that was really, really cool how the actor, you know, had such a, a large influence on his character. Yeah, yeah, you hear this story sometimes where, like, a, a, an actor does affect how the role's written, and I had heard that, too. Um, and yeah, my first watch through, I was, uh, obviously I already mentioned spoilers, but I was so pissed off that she went back to Steve at the end. (laughs) I'm like, I didn't feel like he had a big enough redemptive arc, uh, in that first season. Um, really? Yeah. You're team uh, Jonathan? I'm team Jonathan all the way. (laughs) Oh no. At least season one, no spoilers for season two just yet. (laughs) Um, at, at that point, let me say on the first watch, I was definitely team Jonathan. Uh, this most recent watch, I was really conflicted because I do kind of like, I, I, I feel like it may, he may have really seen how big of an ass he was being and that he was just surrounded by a couple of douchebag friends. Um, and who hasn't been a douchebag when they're 17, you know? Um, so maybe being a little too hard on him. But I did. I mean, at I know we're jumping way ahead, but in that, that pretty much the final moments of the series when he asks if you know she gave him the you know Jonathan the gift, and that seemed like genuine and sincere and really sweet. Um, so I'll back off a little bit on Steve. So apologies. <laughs> well, I, I you better. Say... <laughs> okay, sorry. So Janelle's team Steve. That is clear. Don't come for my man. <laughs> you're not. You're not a team. Take pictures of you undressing in the woods. Yeah. Exactly. Jonathan's a crave. 
<laughs> but he's an artist, Janelle. He's an artist. No. <laughs> he's a creepy artist. <laughs> and then Steve runs back in the house after Nancy tells him to go away. Like, come. Sorry, I'm jumping way ahead now. But yeah, I know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I will say from Jonathan, there's that slight vibe of if you've seen Inside Out, the imaginary boyfriend. Just, I would die for it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, really, people need to look like look online at Joe Curie's like videos. Um, uh, Janelle, are you familiar with Ben Schwartz from Thirty Rock? Yeah, yeah, they're like, okay. So you know, like, there's fate. You know, there's this whole thing where they look to, like, but the, and then they just have these videos together. Is so that they're hilarious? Just do some deep diving on that. Uh, you won't be disappointed. <laughs> uh, I, I need to look into that. I did not know that was a thing. So, uh, oh god, the, the, yeah, it's it's good times. Really, <laughs> you won't be. It won't be a waste of your time, Paul. To, uh, yeah, they seem like. Uh, well, I've always loved Ben Schwartz. Um, well, ever since you know John Ralphio. Um, oh, and Parks and Rec. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> well, there was that theory that he's Parks the worst. Yeah, <laughs> there's that theory that parks and rec and stranger things are somehow connected because they're both in oh, Indiana. They, yes and, uh, oh i love i love a crazy uh it was, universe yeah, theory it's one of the craziest ones i've heard but hey i'll buy into anything i've heard it before <laughs> i can't remember how it goes so i'm not going to try to attempt it but so yeah i had heard something along those lines um yeah, so, just, I don't know, maybe just we... look it up <laughs> <laughs> exactly uh should we kind of get into the uh i guess back into the, some of the events going on in this um in this here universe yes definitely so anyway yeah so will gets taken obviously and then we have winona of course understandably freaking out um yeah. and losing a couple phones in the process Yes. <laughs> um, on a limited budget, <laughs> but I do love that scene in the, uh, the her workplace of yeah, just putting that dude in his place. Like, come on, I just give me the effing credit. Like, yeah, <laughs> like, come on, don't pull this shit. My kid's missing. Um, what else is happening there? Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously, you've got how many different plot lines would you say you've got going through this? Because, like you said, you've got the adult plot line where you got Winona Ryder and David Harbour kind of as a joint thing where they're looking for Will. And then you've got the kids are also looking for Will, but they then run into Eleven. So you, uh, you've got that as well. And then you've got Nancy and Barb, which then turns into Nancy and Jonathan and Steve, kind of. Like it's <laughs> obviously a little jumping around. But uh, I, I think that uh, like probably the one that, most people enjoyed the most out of those of like reasonably is any the plot lines that had eleven in because I felt that the kids and their reaction to eleven it was so wonderfully done because you you've got Mike who very obviously kind of falls head over heels for her on first viewing <laughs> and then you've got Dustin who is. Not fully understanding, but he's you know willing to kind of go along with it, especially since he becomes convinced that she will be able to help get Will back. And then you've got Lucas, who just absolutely doesn't want anything to do with Eleven and clearly thinks that she is 
gonna be a blob monster and just kill them all or something. I guess. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Lucas is just generally unlikable for like six of these eight episodes, <laughs> and it really bums me out. I mean, he uh, kind of has a point though. Like he, he's, he's like, we we don't need another problem. He's like, we went out to find Will. <laughs> we didn't. Yeah, he's very pragmatic. Pick up something yeah. else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's the rational one for sure. Like. Yeah, gotta... he's like, no, this is the party here. That's good. We don't need all of this telekinesis nonsense. <laughs> uh, you weren't the one that was thrown, uh, you know, 50 yards um, and got knocked out. Yeah. yeah. Even though it was kind of cool. Yeah. Even though it was cool. <laughs> yeah. Definitely very cool. <laughs> Second, only to uh, flip in a van, but yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah, we really are jumping all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's kind of, I kind of anticipated this because it's kind of hard to, yes. Stick to the path here. Yeah, it's just there's so many storylines. It's really it's it's hard to like um, to pin them keep down. get them. Yeah, pin them down exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, go ahead. Uh, I was just gonna say I think what probably would be uh, a good kind of anchoring point uh, would be like, kind of jumping ahead to Barb and her fate because I mean, oh you you read my mind. I'm like we gotta get mm-hmm. to Barb. Okay. Yeah, uh, like we have, uh, and yeah, obviously we're going over the plot for hopefully people that have seen it. So we we are skipping it. Uh, like, hey, we they've been yes. warned. So yes, they yeah. have. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm sure they've seen the Justice for Barb post everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh god! Um, but yeah, so yeah, the uh, the Demogorgon kind of you've sort of seen it kind of around and. Eleven is understandably not really wanting to help out look for Will and you know, Winona Ryder's character is just getting more and more frustrated and then Nancy convinces Barb, hey, let's go to a party. It'll be fun. A party of <laughs> five people. Uh, <laughs> yeah, a party Barb does not want to be at in the first place. <laughs> yeah, fifth wheel. Uh, yeah, so... Mm-hmm. And, yeah, so... Uh, there was actually something that I was I was trying to think about when I was watching it for the first time. I'm trying to put myself back in that mindset when I rewatched it. But I think that water was kind of the what they seem to be going for is like the theme for with the Demogorgon at least um, to begin with. They they almost kind of just dropped it right at the end, but it really did seem like water was a major factor. Mm-hmm. In it, especially oh, since, since Barb ends up being taken at the swimming pool, yeah, and, and you also see Eleven needs to be submerged in water to kind of go into the upside down uh, as much as mm-hmm. she can without physically and I, going. Yeah, <laughs> and I was focused more on kind of the Jaws reference of her blood chumming the waters. Yes, uh, <laughs> to lure the monster. Yeah, yeah, I hadn't made the parallel between the sensory depuration tank that Eleven went into, like, the monster coming through the water. That's really interesting. Yeah, and I, I, I remember kind of thinking that, you know, it's like, oh, this is going to be, like, really cool. And obviously they have Will's body appearing back in the lake as well, which uh, we do find out at the Red Herring, but, uh, like, it, it kind of had that connection there. So I, I would say, oh, that's an interesting thing that they're doing. But, yeah, Barb being taken was, I think, a fantastic move 
despite the mm-hmm. fact that I was, really loved Bob the character. Was was anyone <laughs> shocked the first time they saw this that the show went there um, with Barb? I, I, I will say I was not necessarily shocked based on how the episode was going that Barb was taken, but yes, mm-hmm. I was. I was shocked that they went full into it and they just <laughs> dispatched. Bob. Yeah, they, they, they went full Game of Thrones with it. <laughs> yeah, just uh, yeah I definitely thought she'd come back yeah. <laughs> at some point. I thought I thought she'd come back, or there'd be at least somebody looking for her, or something. So that part was a little. That was more shocking than her actually leaving. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it makes me. Yeah, like, even as I know there's other stuff going on in this town and Demogorg is what happened, it seems like people get over, yeah, Barb pretty quickly. <laughs> Especially in a town where it's like, oh yeah, there's never any crime here, but like a lost teenager, no big deal. <laughs> no, yeah, like, yeah, Barb who? Yeah. Um, and even her, even her own mother, when like Nancy calls to ask, you know, if Barb's been home after Nancy is clearly caught in a lie, her mom's like, eh, whatever. <laughs> like, no, yeah. I thought she was. <laughs> no, wasn't she like over here? Oh yeah, yeah, I met in the morning. Like, no, okay, yeah, I'm sure she'll be back. <laughs> that's like the end of her, like that plot. Like that's it. Mm-hmm. No, nothing else. But I feel like that's also a very '80s trope. Is kind of tuned out parents. Um, yes. We see it mostly oh, yeah. in in Mr. Wheeler, who is the best tuned out dad ever. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> has zero idea what's going on, and Ted. just wants to eat his popcorn and yeah, fall asleep and yeah, just I, keep the peace in the household. The less I know is better. Yeah, I, I got he's a fantastic. Real, I got a real nightmare on Elm Street vibe from the parents. Oh of the yeah, because mm-hmm. it it really did just seem that all of them were just like okay. And that was about it. <laughs> <It's> just, just, <laughs> uh, oh, yes. In uh, teaser, Miss Mrs. Wheeler gets a little more to do in season two. <laughs> well, oh yeah. I, oh, I love her in season two so much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Somebody's thirsty. Let's just say that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Ted's boring her. <laughs> uh, yeah, you, you don't think Ted's getting it done? Yeah, big surprise. <laughs> Not with the, you mean with those uh, amazing glasses? Yeah. <laughs> and his permanent seat in the chair there. Oh. Yeah, that you know it just has a giant ass dip in it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at the end, you even see him napping on the, the lazy boy, which I thought was a really nice touch. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, boy. Where are we? I don't even know where to head from here, Paul. Yeah, I'm not too sure. Um, um, so, uh, yeah, I guess uh, it's a good way to kind of bring it back on track. I think it's like episode three or maybe four um, where um, the cover-up is in full effect um, by this Department of Energy. Um, and we get, uh, wills found in quotes, um, mm. at the quarry. And I, I just want to talk about that cause I, I, it was one of my main notes I wrote. I thought this was handled so well. Um, that reveal or what we think is a reveal, um, with the yeah. scoring and the soundtrack and the way that the performances are played off. Like even us as viewers who know it's bullshit, like, we buy into it, maybe even for a split second, that it's Will. 
And that is just oh, an amazing storytelling. You already were, were you suspicious that it was or wasn't like on your first watch? Because I definitely I, at that point was thinking it was going to be playing with like the afterlife or something. Okay. Um, maybe possibly again, revisionist history and given myself, you know, one of those people saying I knew Bruce Willis was dead the whole time. No, you didn't <laughs> fuck off. Um, <laughs> um, but perhaps you're right. Like, but I, I maybe didn't want to believe that. Cause I just didn't think this type of show would go there uh, and just kind of, cause I don't know where you go. I guess. Yeah. I, I hadn't thought about the afterlife as an option there. Um, cause there is, and I th- cause when I, on the, upon rewatching it, I like remember that that was my perspective. And then mm-hmm. there's a specific line that Joyce has when she has the lights and she's asking questions where she's like, are you alive? So mm-hmm. I felt like that was them addressing being like the body's definitely fake. Like we're not doing the afterlife thing. Like this is, yeah. This is something that's way beyond that. So I thought that okay. was really interesting. Yeah. So maybe it was in my subsequent watches where I, even knowing that he's alive, that I still felt that scene really pulled off. That it still kind of made me believe again that oh my god, they, he's you know he's gone and and uh, you know Hopper just saying please is, is it the kid? Please don't let it be the kid. You know, and it's like yeah. oh my god, like trying to hold back the tears. <laughs> it's rough. <laughs> Oh, yeah. When Joyce is, like, in denial, because that's, like, a very real thing when you lose somebody, like, you go through that denial. And, like, we know her denial is valid, but it's still very similar to any mother's denial if they heard this from somebody. It was just so heartbreaking every time I watched it. Yeah. And then, of course, you have Hopper's connection with him losing a child and saying, yeah, I didn't want to accept that, you know, reality got kind of twisted for me, too. So Yeah, I, I remember watching uh, at the end of episode three when it ended with the body being found and like i saw that and i remember just turning to my wife and being like no that doesn't feel right like there's just something about it was not quite sitting with me and like i would i was kind of willing to go with it into episode four when they were like really going through it but i was like it's just like it, it was almost like that voice in the back of your head just being like, yeah, let's just wait a second. Like, let's see where this goes, because I don't think it's going where it looks like it's going. Um, I mean, to to quote a, a trailer that has been making rounds, this is not going to go the way you think. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I really did enjoy the, obviously it turns out again to be another sort of red herring type thing, but the way that they finally show you that it isn't actually will like the whole lead up to that when hopper goes to the morgue and he's sort of building himself up to oh yeah to actually doing something with the body and it's just like zoom arm goes straight in so oh okay <laughs> so not only is it not will but someone went to extreme length to make people think it was so yes i i read like a great blog or something or post i'm like how like it, it's pretty much you know a uh, suspension of disbelief that they were able to get this exact replica of will made so fast <laughs> you know so quickly <laughs> um, but yeah let it go it's a show but yeah it's like hmm, they got some uh pretty awesome uh i mean i don't know if they got some blacklisted hollywood people there you know that are, or what's going on um making well, maybe you know, doing their creature works 
maybe as soon as the kid went missing, they were like, well, this is, we're probably going to need him to turn up dead. Otherwise, we're going to keep looking for him. So maybe they already were, were starting on it way before. <laughs> I mean, yeah, do they just have, like, uh, cover-up dolls or whatever, or, you know, mannequins of all ages, and then they just, all right, let's just put the fine touches on the face. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, like we exactly. need a 10-year-old, like, 10-year-old boy. Okay, one, okay, yeah. <laughs> we need a Get the makeup eyes. artist in yeah. here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I so I'm trying to think what would be a, uh, next good. Well, the the point. next episode. I know we got to kind of speed things up a little bit. Uh, the next episode really uh, after that is uh, the flea and the acrobat, which is one of my favorite of the first season. Um, my favorite too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah um, and you get Mr. Clark really gets to shine in that episode, and I just kind of <laughs> wanted to know how everyone thought about Mr. Clark. Um, my my feelings are, uh, are he's a great teacher. Like, he's one of those, you know, hopefully everyone has a teacher that they can identify like that, you know, that really kind of got them. But great teacher, horrible to watch a movie with. Oh, my God. <laughs> Who would want to watch a movie with Mr. Clark? He is the worst because we all have that friend or maybe we are that friend sometimes that, did you know? Uh, shut up. Can we watch the movie? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, uh, yeah, with his uh, lady friend there, whatever that situation was. Um, yes. Yeah, that was a uh, plastic and microwave bubblegum. Um, yeah. I, I took it as he was comforting her, though, because she was scared and he was like trying to be like, it's all fake. <laughs> That's a good way to read it. Yeah. Uh-huh. But I feel like he does that like every time he has a little factoid um, watching something. Yeah, he would oh. probably do that through all movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. Although I, I got the feeling that she couldn't have cared any less about what film they were watching because she didn't seem that like distracted by the fact that he would just you know oh so this is all this she was just staring straight at him rather than the film so i yeah i, I think he was uh, overthinking in that particular scene but uh, yeah obviously we didn't get to yeah, see it, are we saying girlfriend that. wife i didn't see a ring on his finger yeah, I, I don't know. I would I... just assume probably a lady friend round the, the evening. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I feel, yeah, if he's, yeah. But then we have Dustin, like, you know, as much as I have established I love Dustin, he does kind of play, I would just say C-block for this because he does play C-block to <laughs> Mike and L at one point, too, when he bursts into the bathroom and they're about to kiss for the first time. And then yeah. he calls up Mr. Clark while he's working his uh, movie knowledge game. Um, you know, and, and demands to know how to build a, um, was it uh, a sensory deprivation tank? Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's a he's a manipulative little kid. Yeah. Too. Was like, it like why exactly. are you? What's the line, Paul? Why are you? Uh, yeah, I know. Not I was... letting us through this knowledge do- or something. Yeah. Yeah. What, why are you I trying just to close watched it like two the, hours ago? The knowledge door yeah. or something. Like that. A, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Damn, yeah, Dustin. He, he. I think. I think Dustin is definitely the most intelligent of all of the four main kids, uh, just in terms of he seemed to be the one that's able to take the long view and then also use what he has learned to his advantage better than pretty much any of the other characters ever do in the series. Uh, I agree with that, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Yeah, I... um, I, I was trying to think like where to kind of jump to with this, and obviously we we mentioned before Eleven flinging Lucas across the uh, what is it like the car graveyard, whatever that area is, just a junkyard, I guess. Uh, and it and again, I think it was so 
brilliantly written and then performed that scene because obviously Mike and Lucas are fighting it out. Like they're, they're really going at it. And then the second Eleven intervenes and throws Lucas. Mike is like, why did you do that? <laughs> it's just, it's instantly like, hey, we were fighting. You didn't need to get involved. Like, you didn't need to do that. And everything's forgotten at that point. And Mike is just worried about Lucas. So it was so well done. And something that you don't see very often, I think, in film. Like, no, I, I don't know. I don't know how else you could have done that scene. Like, I don't know. What did you guys think about that one? I mean, it really showed to me, like, that kind of kid friendship that's, like, completely, like, you can be fighting with each other and kind of want to tear each other's head off one minute. And then once something, like, starts to get real and it, you wake up, it's, like, your best friend's forever again. Like, that that really was clear in that scene to me yeah. of what it's like to be a kid and have your best friend. And, like, that's nothing else matters at the end of the day. Yeah, and what stuck out to me is that Eleven is also a child. And, it, like... Okay, she's obviously not had the childhood everyone else has. Uh, you know, we get those scenes of her looking around Nancy's room, and those are kind of heartbreaking because she sees what a quote-unquote normal childhood looks like. But, and I see, like, she just, she obviously does not have control of these powers, and she has outbursts like any of these kids do. There's just a lot higher consequences when she does. Um <laughs> Yeah, that, that's something that also is something that comes true in season two. I feel like you really learn how much of a how how much of a kid she is. Absolutely, <laughs> and I love yep. that. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I yeah, kinda, we'll get into that. I kind of got the feeling that during most of Strange Things season one, she feels like she is only like five years old, really, because everything's so new to her. She hasn't been able to grow up because she's just been groomed for one thing and one thing only so she's not had any real development as a person so it was it was interesting to see her get that during this series because you you can tell by the end just based on her interaction with the gang that she's beginning to learn what it is to you know be someone her age to have friends to have people that actually care about you and uh, I, yeah, it's it's uh, I mean, it's really interesting. Like this is this is a TV series which is a horror series set in the eighties with genuinely like really bad stuff coming out of these kids and terrible things they had to deal with, and they put such deep stuff in it, like mm-hmm. like someone who has had such a tortured childhood that they are still. Like I would say, mentally underdeveloped. Like the the friendship between these four kids, and they'll do anything for each other, and seriously put to the test. The the teenagers having to deal with the loss of a friend when you begin to realize who your real friends are. Like all of this stuff, you would never actually see in like a typical eighties like cheesy horror film or cheesy like sci fi film, and they've been able to write it masterfully into these uh, tropes and uh, the yeah it was nostalgic yeah. but still responsible and accountable for the story yeah i don't but, watch a, a lot of the sorry good no you're fine i wanted to hear what you had to say so i don't watch a lot of horror because i i just feel like a lot of the times the characters are really underdeveloped and mm-hmm. if they die i just don't care i'm just i just kind of laugh i'm like i don't okay yeah, that's yeah, it yeah. you're gone um, but this show, I feel like what it does really well is makes you care about every character so much so that 
when these things start happening to them, you feel it too on a, on a different level than you do for most shows or, or most movies even, you can argue. So it, it feels almost like it's happening to you, almost like it's happening and that you're a part of it. And I feel like that's what the show does really, really well by developing these really rich, interesting characters that, that have all these issues and have things going on and then throw this other huge thing at them and have them deal with that. Um, I, I just think they do that really, really well. I, yeah, I couldn't agree more. It's one of the reasons why I, I go back to it and one of the reasons why it's, I think, one of the better things to introduce people to, to, I don't know, at least for me personally, like, it's definitely one of those talking points like like i said earlier like you know if, if you're not on board with stranger things like oh okay i really have to question your taste but <laughs> so, <laughs> i mean it, that's not entirely fair like yes everyone has you know things that work for them and don't um but that being said uh, it's tough to see how part of this doesn't work for someone so yeah <laughs> um now obviously uh, in this series they they very, very, very briefly touch on what is assumed to be, but not confirmed as of yet, Eleven's genuine backstory. Like, uh, yes, thank you. That was my only remaining note. Mm. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, so well, we we find out that uh, what probably happens uh, as of this series, what probably happened is that this woman called Terry Ives to, um, has goes through the MK Ultra project and she happened to be pregnant at the time and she says that she gave birth and the baby was taken away but everyone else says well no she miscarried so Joyce and Hopper kind of say to themselves that well, Eleven is probably this kid but again in this series absolutely nothing is confirmed it's just it's just something that's thrown in there and you had to make your own conclusion at this point. So did did you guys decide, okay, yeah, this actually is what happened? Or did you have the skepticism there of, are they kind of throwing uh, a red herring again in our direction after two other red herrings? I'll let you go I, first, you know, yeah. Yeah, I think I was pretty sure at that point that um, that there was, that, that was the daughter. I, I, I think I... I, I knew that nothing was confirmed, but I'm pretty sure that I was like, well, they wouldn't put that in there without that, there being a reason, and I feel like that would have been the reason. Yeah. yeah. But I definitely found the whole thing very just heartbreaking, just watching like the oh my God. the actress that played her supposed mm-hmm. mother, I guess we'll say, um, is just is, is incredible. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I wasn't sure on like first watch if it. I mean, I knew that's what they were kind of pointing me to, but I was cautious and didn't know um, if it was like I said a misdirection, like you were saying, or uh, and or possibly not to get too spoilery for season two. But shut your ears if you haven't seen season two yet. If she, if it was another child in this program, um, you know, and just a slightly less misdirection there. Um, but yeah. subsequent viewings, yeah, obviously it, it was very clear that no, Eleven is Jane. Um, and yeah, what a, like, oh my God, what a tragic and like heartbreaking character. Um, <laughs> played really well, but like, oh my God. Yeah. This, that's the thing about the show is it's like, it has really light moments and fun moments. And then you get these like really deep and kind of very tragic <laughs> moments yeah. as well. And and then so you've got that like really tragic and kind of hits you hard moment, 
and like you feel really sorry for Eleven, and then Eleven kind of gets her badass moment at the end of that episode as well when she saved Mike from like, dying and <laughs> falling off the cliff. Well, as yeah, uh-huh, yep. And, mm-hmm. In the yeah. bully confrontation, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, I think that like, there, there are many great scenes and great moments throughout the series, but I genuinely think that Eleven turning up and saving Mike is my favorite moment in the series. Because you finally got all the all of those characters back together again. Eleven's like really using her powers at this point, like specifically to to save someone and not just attack. So, and obviously the bullies get to come up, and, which is always fun. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I I thought it was a great. And then of course you've got Dustin with sort of the topper at the end, where it was it's just. Uh, is it like, yeah, she's our friend, and she's crazy. <laughs> he's just so good. I yeah, Kate, he's so line. good. Yeah, he's amazing. I love him so much. <laughs> no, I, I think up yeah. to that point, Eleven had so much guilt, and I think finally it was Mike being like, no, like, you're a hero. Like, you can use your powers for good, because all this time, Eleven, all she's known is just to use them for bad, in a way. So I think she really was filled with so much guilt up until that point. She's a spencer so much. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Christ, uh, Matthew Medine wanted her to, like, blow up a cat or whatever, you know, with her, like, Jesus. Like, I know. That was, uh, yeah, yeah I, shit. <laughs> I mean, yeah, even with, like, everything else, obviously he's got a very set goal in mind for what Eleven and possibly others can do with their powers. But what was that test? The test of just harm a cat. Like, how is that or, or was it in, yeah. Or was it secretly an ethics test? I don't know. Yeah, I don't think it was, but... <laughs> well, that, since he was... About, oh, interesting. Apparently she failed because she had ethics. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I don't... Yeah, I have no idea. Or, yeah, just to test her limits, I don't know. But, yeah, yeah, probably to test idea. her limits, but you think you would test... Mm-hmm. And, like, I'm not an advocate for hermy and animals at all, but, like, you think you would no. test on something smaller, like a mouse or something like that. Yeah, sort of with, like, a frog or something. Yeah, Exactly, mm-hmm. like... That was a pretty big cat. <laughs> yeah, and you're a kid, and most yeah kids are going to be like, ooh, fluffy animal. Yeah, like, okay, probably don't want to kill that. Yeah, I, I mean, I obviously I hate the idea of cruelty towards animals, so that, that scene mm-hmm. had that on it as well. But I even trying to toss that out the side, I, I just don't get it. Like, I can't it's, think of a single reason for that. Uh, their whole relationship, and then and I know we, we get into it again in season two, but that that how manipulative that relationship is just really kind of, you know, bothers me to my core, just how he plays on her emotions and, you know, yeah, I need you to get well, into the tank again and do this. And, ugh, yeah. On the first watch, like, did, did you assume that Papa was her actual dad? Because I did. I, I think I yeah I believe so I I think yeah I was like okay that's yeah because she popped so I, didn't Papa, know I, I have no evidence more. to the contrary yeah I don't know if that made it more messed up or less but like that was definitely when I first watched I thought that was their their sort of relationship and I know that the character that plays Eleven Millie she said in the interview in the Stranger Things um, after the one that I did see that she 
thinks of him as Eleven as Papa. Like, that she thinks that they have the father-daughter relationship, which I thought was a really interesting way to play it, because you don't mm-hmm. see that at all, but maybe that's something that we'll explore in the future a little bit more. Yeah, that, yeah I, I think so. I don't think I ever thought that he was her biological father, but I absolutely bought that he placed himself into her life as her father. Like, I was like, this is someone who is just like, oh, yes, I'm your dad. And as your dad, I would love to ask you to get in that sedentary deprivation tank right now. Go ahead. Go on. Go, go. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, that, I, he, again, it's so, I yeah. I mentioned him mm-hmm. at the beginning. He's the guy that you love to watch because you just want to punch him in the face. Like, it's just. <laughs> but it's, Absolutely. Yeah, and it's just those power dynamics that are just so overwhelmingly problematic of just yeah i'm going to manipulate and play on this kind of reward system and you can have this thing if you do this awful thing for me uh, yeah it's so terrible but (laughs) played beautifully by matthew medin yes um all right kind of uh coming into the end then as we are uh uh, obviously, you've got the fantastic and almost obligatory kids cycling away from danger <laughs> scene, <laughs> and of the eleven flipping the car, which is probably, I would say, the most iconic image from the first trailer that they did. Like when they yeah, I mean, had the Netflix yeah. trailer. I was trying to think, is that maybe the biggest stunt from the first... That has to be the biggest stunt from season one. I can't... Yeah. I mean, everything else was... I mean, obviously, not talking, but practically, you know, not talking CG. Um, Yeah, Yeah, that was... Yeah, I do remember that from that trailer. I remember, remember, like, I was rewatching it, and I even still gasped again when 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 she lifted the truck. I was like, I knew it was coming, but I still was just like, still so epic. Yeah, and uh, and like I said in the the scene before when she saved Mike, like, obviously that's her like really using her power to save him. But this is like that's the next time you see her like dedicated to breaking away from where she was, and she's obviously defying Papa at this point and just flipping that van. It was such a joy to see both times. Obviously, the first time. I I kind of knew it might be coming just because I saw the trailer. And I remember stupid stuff like that. I wish I didn't, but I do. But then, yeah, the second mm-hmm. time I was like, okay, she's going to flip the trucks, she's going to flip the trucks, and there it goes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I could probably... Yeah, it's, one of the, yeah. it's pretty great. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. Um, and I'm just trying to think. I know, looking forward to Thursday, but just, I love, not saying I don't love that, but I just think of where season two goes and... I don't even think something like that reg- would register in season two. <laughs> Maybe a little bit, but yeah, um, we'll get there uh, soon enough. But yeah, obviously um, things wrap up here um, with the, the final battle with kind of all three storylines are uh, kind of going gelling together here um, yeah, with the um, go ahead. I'd say well, the boys in 11 and uh, Nancy and, uh, Joyce, they all get to the school. They go in the central deprivation tank, and episode seven is where we do find out Bob's ultimate fate, which uh, was mm. not R. a pretty sight. No, no, yeah. Uh, yeah. 
She, yeah, sorry, Barb. Poor Barb. <laughs> Poor, and, you know, to a lesser, I think we need to give a shout out to Benny, too, as the other um, innocent casualty oh, of this. Yeah. Benny, who got one in the back of the head for just being nice and feeding a starving kid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Benny and Barb, yeah, poor Benny. too. <laughs> Pour out a little uh, for both of you. Okay. Yeah, I, I did think that uh, the dispatching of Benny was a great way of showing just how much of a threat that the organization that was trying to find Eleven was. Because obviously, yeah, like, sh- shadowy government agency, they're trying to, to get this up. And you're like, yeah, yeah, okay, but this is... Oh, they genuinely just shot a man because they're fairly certain that Eleven was there. Like they don't even get confirmation. I think it's just like, yeah. Uh, yeah, in a small shit. town where everyone talks and like everyone, yeah, no, yeah, they're like, nope, yeah, I'm just gonna kill him, yeah, yeah, and then and then when okay. Hopper finds him and and he's like the other cops like, oh, you must be like a real big city cop now, and he's like, yeah, but the people that I used to find weren't my friends, and you, that's when you like yeah. realize like how big of an impact like Benny must have had on the town. Oh, he seemed like such a good dude. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Poor Benny. Uh, Justice Justice for Benny and Barb. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Justice for Benny and Barb. I know. It's not right. I do kind of feel bad that there was no Justice for Benny hashtag now. It was all Barb, just because everyone seemed to like it. I think we could get it trending. (laughs) <laughs> if, if you have a time machine perhaps but i think yeah <laughs> have you seen twitter's attention span recently <laughs> uh, no, I, have not, uh, I think we're <laughs> fighting an uphill battle there yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. there's other characters we had justice for in season two that that we're focusing on uh, now. oh yes big uh spoiler tease there yes uh-huh <laughs> we'll get into that um but yeah, do we want to quickly wrap up uh, the finale here? Yes, so, I think so. Um, obviously, mm-hmm. towards the end, the like all of the shadowy government agencies is in the school, and Eleven finally makes her choice that she wants to be with her friends and not her papa. And in the biggest display of her powers, dispatches everyone. Like just oh yeah! Uh, oh nasty. yeah! Yeah, nasty. Yeah, she does like a whole Groot in the hallway move. Just boom, drops him. Yeah, yeah. Almost an yeah, I forgot about that. Thing. Yeah, with the the uh, so I guess that was hashtag uh, justice for Benny because that was the the woman that shot Benny. Yeah, and she got her like eyes like you know hemorrhaged or whatever. So yeah, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> That was probably the scariest moment for for Eleven's character of of just being like, of her use of power and seeing how powerful she actually is. Because that whole time it was mostly just like breaking necks and like more physical stuff, whereas this was like actually pretty much like making somebody explode from the inside. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And you you have to believe like she probably had, or you would assume had not used her powers to that extent before. So she may have not known if that was going to kill her. If that was, you know, her last course of action, but she knew that, regardless of whatever happened, that that was the only thing to do. Um, yeah, it had to be terrifying for her, but that's eleven for you. Yeah, and um, and then... friends don't lie, and friends and friends blow up your enemies. So yeah, <laughs> that's true friendship. Yeah, and then you do get the final showdown 
against the Demogorgon with the uh, uh, what the wrist rocket was that the name of it, uh, Lucas? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And obviously yeah. he had this whole build up where like he was like, oh, he's collecting all the stones, and then you had a scene like what was it like episode four or something mm-hmm. where they're like, yeah, that one's the the demon killer or whatever. It is. And so, see. and then he, <laughs> yeah, and see, this is the uh, go ahead. Uh, to say, like, and then like, he, he get down to that rock and he fires it and it seems to work and then you realize nope this is the eleven again <laughs> it was yes. such a great yeah. sort of ending yeah. to her character well yeah well I just wanted to point out the wrist rocket as another one of those homages to it and Pennywise yeah. did anyone was anyone else thinking of that. I, the... I was thinking maybe they would somehow find a hidden eye on the Demogorgon and like hit it with their up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, I, I definitely had yeah shades of that. But yeah, then uh, yeah, like you said, then eleven quick recovery time this time around for eleven. Yeah. But well, I, yeah. I think I felt like this was her like basically tapping the well she was going out mm. with this one and obviously she kind of does mm. uh, although i did i did see uh, and this was like a month after the series aired and i'd seen everything i saw something which was sort of a crazy theory as it were which is that 11 and that demogorgon were sort of one and the same as yeah uh, and i i wasn't like Obviously, getting into season two, we can see where that may fall apart. But just with just using this, there's some real parallels, and also the Demogorgon only knew about this world thanks to Eleven's intervention, and like they they seem to kind of switch places every now and again. And so it's really it, it was a really interesting theory to nail down, and I yeah. felt like there was definitely a connection of some kind. I didn't. I didn't think that Eleven was the Demogorgon, but uh, <laughs> I, I felt mm-hmm. like there was some sort of link between the two of them. But do you think Brand is the Night King? <laughs> do you think Brand is the Night King? Mm-hmm. I know you don't get that, Paul. Okay. I, I don't, but I'm just gonna say <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. Ooh. Okay. I'm Hot go take with yes. from Paul. All right. <laughs> okay. So Janelle, I'm assuming you, you're not a Thrones watcher. No, I'm not. Okay, I'm on my own here. <laughs> yeah, j- just uh, pick a yes or no, really. There's only two answers. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it doesn't seem right. like I can go wrong. <laughs> no, 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 you're fine. But yeah, on that point of Eleven possibly being the Demogorgon or them being connected, I definitely have... I feel like they were kind of leading us toward that in season one because there's a lot of her being like, the gate, I opened it, it's my fault, it's there, and like... That was her when she went in the sensory deprivation tank. Like, she's the she saw it. She made a connection with it. Like, there's always a connection there. So after season two, I definitely have additional theories on that. But at the end of season one, I felt like that was what they were leading you toward, is that they had this deep connection. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes. I, uh, I was probably a little slower on that, but it probably took me, uh, yeah, another watch to get there. Yeah. Definitely I- put that together. I, I think they probably were aware that something like that would be drawn if they weren't specifically going for that, which makes me think that maybe, I don't know if they already formed season two when they made season one, but maybe it changed the way they did something or whatever, like, and we'll get into that 
in a couple of days when we record season two. But yeah, I I think it was a, a really cool way of looking at it. Uh, and then obviously we do have the very end where you have, as we said earlier, Nancy and Steve are back together. And I will say, I, I said to my wife at the time, like, I, I am a bit disappointed that they got back together. I wasn't specifically thinking that Nancy and Jonathan should end up together, but I was a little disappointed in Nancy going back to Steve. But I mean, thinking more on it, it does kind of fit in with her character. She does kind of seem to be the person that would want to be in a relationship and would um, fall back into that. I mean, he was awful to her. Are we forgetting that? Oh, no, I'm <laughs> I not. mean, yeah, he didn't like spy on her, uh, which is terrible. But like, he, what he call her a slut? Um, like, I believe so. Aided and abetted uh, defacing a mar- movie marquee to you know slut shame her. By himself, like she, she, but he's he the only one she slept with. After, <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. which is okay. what he should have done. I know your team, Steve Janelle. I'm sorry. I know. We're, I know. We're, he's uh, not attacking your boy. He's not the best, but in my defense, his big moment for me that like made it turn around for me is so. Th- so when Jonathan and Nancy are about to fight the demi gorgon, and Steve. Nancy's basically like, get out of here. We don't need you. You're just causing trouble. Like, get out of this house. And he's about to leave. He runs out. And him running away, by the way, is, like, hilarious. Yeah. And he, like, goes to his car. And then he, like, like, he makes the choice to go back for Nancy, even though he knows he doesn't have, like, any weapons, doesn't have anything. Like, he's literally just there for her. And that's why Steve, I'm team team Steve all the way. (laughs) No, I'm... I'm convert like it, yeah. I'm still torn. There, he's still slightly problematic, but so is Jonathan. So um, yeah, I, I I don't have as big of an issue with Steve as I did that my first run through on this show. But even before that, I I think he starts his redemptive arc when he visits um, Nancy practicing her bat swings, and you know it's just like you know let's go to a movie, get away from everything for a couple hours and. Um, I, I do think he's attempting to try to, you know, put things back on track there. Um, so I, I, I'll cut him some slack there. And then also in that scene, um, we get a little bit of, I guess you can't really call it foreshadowing because it wasn't written. I don't know if it was written yet, but um, the Tom Cruise um, and Risky Business business that we might see in season two. So <laughs> As, uh, spoiler, we will. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, I, I like. I was having a well, yeah, um, having an argument with a, with a fr- discussion with a friend, saying, "No, is she's dressed like um, Rebecca De Mornay. No, she isn't. No, she is pulled up. Yeah, yep, there she is. <laughs> um, from that, you know, with the the, the bow and the, yeah. Okay, we'll get there Thursday. We'll rehash all that. Um, I did have a quick question with kind of. I think it's the last. Well, one of the last moments in the in the finale is Hopper taking food from the Christmas party, um, the police you know station Christmas party, and then putting it in that lockbox in the woods. Um, and I don't know if this is a spoilery discussion for season two. Maybe if we, we need to wait till we go into that. And if I miss something in season two, but how does he know? Um, I I think. I, I do think it is like touched on very, do we need very, to very save, briefly. Do we need to save this for our next record? I think so. I think it. Yeah, okay. I think that's a season two. Okay, because I I really 
talked with a couple other people that really are better paying attention than I am, and they, they were also a little confused as to, like, how he... Okay, so, yeah, we'll get there. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I need that straightened out. You, you, you two need to straighten the, that out for me um, on our next episode. Uh, um, and then, yeah, obviously, the, the final scene where Will's home and he, he ends up going to the bathroom and coughing up the slug and mm-hmm. everything's upside down for a second and then back. Like I I saw mm-hmm. a fantastic ending and because they hadn't announced season two at that point, but the second that was I was like, they're gonna make more, they better make more yep. <laughs> And he, he it darts down the sink. Yes yes it does. Uh, mm, it darts oh, down the yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that sounds like it might be a, a thread to pick up on again. Then. It might be a good place to leave things. Um, did we, Janelle, did we miss on any points of discussion or any uh, juicy bits or funny bits you wanted to talk about that we didn't um, touch on? No, I, I don't think so. Um, okay. A, a lot of my notes are just like, I love Hopper. <laughs> I love Hopper's great. Yeah. Oh, I, I think I think the main th- the one of the things that we don't really talk about too much is his ability to really get out of any situation by just punching somebody, which I really appreciate. Yes. I love the I love that tropey just one punch. <laughs> Let's get out of here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and it, Hopper obviously will definitely be talking more about him. Uh, yeah, in a couple of days, but uh, Hopper mm-hmm. is such a great character and so well played. <laughs> so, uh, uh, yeah, the the only other thing that I've got here is uh, we we did ask people if they wanted to to say any thoughts on Stranger Things, and we got one reply. So thank you very mm-hmm. much to the Full Starts podcast at, at Full Starts Pod. Uh, they said, I thought it was wonderful. So happy to have Winona back on our screens in the 80s where she belongs. The <laughs> kid actors are fantastic too, especially Finn and Millie, who do a lot of heavy lifting. Yes, it's very nod, nod, wink, wink, but it's so well told that I don't care. So there you go. <laughs> I would uh, <laughs> agree with everything there, yes. Yeah, I definitely agree 80s with Winona is the best Winona. And yep, she got to rehash things here. So yeah, that was wonderful to see. <laughs> All right, well, yeah, I think that's probably the best place to to end this one on. So uh, d- thank you very much for coming back on, yeah. Janelle. We will talk to you again and, very soon. Yes, in January 20th, correct, your movie? Uh, yes, the okay. first episode will be out. The first episode, on, I'm sorry, yeah. Yeah, January 20th uh, uh, of okay. Eclipse, and you can find all the information on my Twitter, um, at Janelle Megan. Absolutely, and and uh, if you've waited for episode two to come out, uh, go ahead and just start that one right about now. But till then, <laughs> Paul, any last words? Uh, I don't think I have any last words on uh, Strange Things or anything. I will very quickly go over our contact information in case you feel like you want to get a hold of us, uh, which would be lovely if you did, really. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Blokebusters, Facebook.com slash Blokebusters, Instagram at Blokebusters, you can email us Blokebusters, at gmail.com, and we have a website, Blokebusters.web.com, or you can go to Podbro.com and find us on there because it does look a little nicer but hey they probably pay for it so there you go um with all that being said uh i've been paul i've been brian 
And she's been Janelle. And she's been Janelle. <laughs> no. <laughs> no I wasn't aware All of right. the sign-off. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's right. We threw a curve at you. Yeah, right. we did. All right. So, see you, folks. See ya. In case I don't see ya, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Hang on a minute, lads. I've got a great idea. Uh, Louis, I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.